welcome to the Sisters for Prevention Breast Cancer Resource Podcast and YouTube channels. I am your host, Judy Fitzgerald, and it is my great pleasure to bring you the latest information and strategies for breast cancer survival and prevention. I am a 12-year breast cancer survivor living with NED, no evidence of disease. My passion is supporting the primary prevention of breast and ovarian cancers. It is my great honor to serve as a consumer advocate for the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines developed by Dr. Vincent Tui at the Lerner Research Institute at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. 2021 was an exciting year for breast cancer. It was the year we launched the phase one clinical trial for the first preventive breast cancer vaccine. This vaccine is presently being tested on recently diagnosed triple negative breast cancer patients who have completed treatment. Our goal is to prevent recurrence in these patients. Sadly, triple negative breast cancer is the most lethal form of the disease and has the highest probability for recurrence within the first five years. So what's next? We will need support to complete all phases of the clinical trials to obtain FDA approval. Once the vaccine is proven safe and effective, the Cleveland Clinic has partnered with the Nixa Bioscience and their CEO, Dr. Amit Kumar, to commercialize the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines and make them available for use. For all things breast cancer and to remain updated on the vaccine's progress, please visit my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's www, the number four, sistersforprevention.com. And now it is my great pleasure to bring you today's program. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to Sisters for Prevention Breast Cancer Resource Podcast. So for the past 10 years since my diagnosis, I have served in various capacities as an advocate for breast cancer on various committees, including the Department of Defense Breast Cancer Research Program. As an advocate, the goal of participation is to present the patient perspective to the research that's being proposed. We are not required to understand the science. Our focus is to give the perspective that if the science is correct, what impact this would have on the health care of breast cancer patients. So again, it's not, at first I was intimidated thinking, well, maybe I won't understand what they're talking about, but that's not the point. The point is to present the patient perspective. An example is something like, let's say they're doing a clinical trial and they're going to do six blood draws to test for a certain protein in the patient's blood to see the effectiveness of the therapy, we might ask a 
a very simple question like, is six really necessary? Obviously, that puts more stress on the patient. Another question might be, how affordable is this going to be? And is it going to be something that can be benefited by the general population? Many times, it's a question of how are we going to bring this to the underserved committee, uh, those without insurance or the financial ability to take advantage of this therapy. And finally, a really difficult one is how long will this prolong the patient's life versus the quality of life and the risks for further complications? That last one is a very difficult one to make a judgment call on because obviously all of us would like to hold on to every moment of life that we can. But again, it's quality of life. If the patient is going to be bedridden for the remainder of he or she's life, then is that really something that we should spend the money on? Or are there other projects perhaps that could have been given at an earlier stage to help the patient to become no evidence of disease? For me, it was very important that I try my best to, to understand, at least to a limited degree, the science. As many of the panels I have served on have dealt with immunology and the immune system. So thankfully to the National Breast Cancer Coalition, they offer a program for advocates called Project LEAD. And it's a bit overwhelming. It's sort of like getting a medical school crash course in a week. But they really threw group participation and breakout sessions and excellent professors can break it down into much more simpler terms so that we can understand. Now, I'm not saying that our understanding is 100% medically correct, but luckily we're not making decisions that are going to be, that we're not going to be making decisions where we are required to be 100% medically correct. So a big question that I often get asked in my uh, on my website is, so if our immune system is so great, as we've been looking at, particularly with the COVID vaccine, how we can train it, then how or why can't we train our immune system to evade breast cancer? So initially, I'm going to give you sort of a, a lay person's interpretation and information I received at Project LEAD. And then I'm going to give you a little bit heavier presentation from my friend, Dr. Vincent Tui and his eloquent evaluation of how cancer cells evade the immune system. So first, my perspective. Basically, the simple way of looking at it is our immune system is the cleanup crew. It constantly surveys our bodies for foreign invaders, such as bacteria and viruses. We call these invaders or harmful substances, antigens. So our immune surveillance system identifies these invaders, it marks them, and then calls out the cavalry, the T cells, to destroy them. There's another important part of the immune system called macrophages. Macrophages are large white blood cells that are an important part of the immune response 
The word macrophage literally means big eater. Its job is to clean our bodies of microscopic debris and invaders. It's, if you remember from your high school biology, it's sort of an amoeba-like cell, big blob of jelly that patrols our bodies and eats, in quotation marks, intruders. How they do this is that they are able to pull apart the enemy cell proteins and present or identify them to the T cells as invaders. So they basically say they pull off parts of the enemy cell and they show them to the T cells and say, here's the bad guy. You guys need to call out the immune response, call out the cavalry. So then what are T cells? T cells are the cells produced in the bone marrow. They spend some time maturing and developing in an organ in our chest called the thymus. That's how they get their name, T-cells, which actually stands for thymus-derived cells. Once these T-cells are mature, they are released into the blood and lymph nodes to start their work. When a T-cell is presented an invader by a macrophage, so the macrophage has identified a protein of the invader and said, okay, here's the bad guy. It then calls out its cavalry, which are called antibodies. And these antibodies eliminate the disease cell or invader. Now T-cells, or specific kind of T-cells, have different functions. Helper T-cells activate other cells of the immune system, while cytoxic T-cells are the ones that directly kill the foreign cells, such as cancers or invaders. Now, how cancer cells are able to evade the immune system has puzzled scientists for decades. When these cells already are or are becoming abnormal, our immune system dictates that macrophages are supposed to consume and destroy them. So how do these diseased and abnormal cells evade this important checkpoint designed to keep us healthy? How indeed are these cancer cells allowed to fly under the immune system's radar? So to put it in simple terms, cancer cells somehow send out a don't eat me signal to macrophages by expressing certain proteins on their cell surfaces. They basically disguise themselves and trick the macrophage. The surface proteins expressed by the cancer cell bond to other proteins on the surface of the macrophage, basically paralyzing it and its ability to destroy or consume the cancer. The net result is that, of course, they are not presented to the T cells for the immune response. Since the T cell cannot identify the cancer as an enemy, it doesn't generate the immune response necessary and allows other cells like it to continue undetected. So if cancer can evade our brilliant immune system, then how can chemotherapy identify and kill cancer cells? Well, the honest answer that I researched is it can't. Chemotherapy merely works by simply killing cells that are rapidly dividing, which cancer cells are. 
Cancer cells need lots of glucose or sugar for their energy to divide. Every cell in your body uses blood sugar or glucose for energy, but cancer cells use about 200 times more than normal cells do. Chemotherapy is administered in a glucose solution to entice the cancer cells to absorb the treatment and hopefully leave the normal cells alone. Because since these cancer cells are hungrier and more aggressive, the desire or the, the object is for them to eat the chemo first and therefore successful treatment of the cancer. The problem remains that as well as killing cancer cells, chemotherapy also kills normal cells that rapidly divide, like cells in the mouth, stomach, bowel, skin, hair, and bone marrow. Damage to these normal cells cause the side effects of chemotherapy. However, unlike cancer cells, normal cells can repair the damage and can recover. Again, this is a total simplification of the complex re immune response, but I hope at least it'll give you some understanding of, of what's happening and why cancer in some cases is so difficult to treat and cure. Now I'm going to give you the doctor's perspective of all this. I'm actually going to, if you take a look at this, I'm going to post this as a blog post on my website, and I'll also post a simple diagram of what we just talked about. Here's the PhD version of what I just told you. The immune system is designed to distinguish between normal cells, or self-cells, our own, and invaders like bacteria and viruses, which the medical community labels non-self. This distinction is made by our immune system's ability to detect distinct evolutionary conserved structures on pathogens called pathogen-associated molecular patterns, or PAMPS. There are dozens of these patterns, including specific DNA motifs found only in bacteria and double-strand RNA found only in viruses. When these PAMPs, P-A-M-P-S, are recognized by a large cohort, cohort excuse me, of pattern recognition receptors found on many of the different immune cells, they activate what immunologists call a danger signal. This activates the immune system to attack and destroy the invading bacteria or virus. Again, identification of the enemy. Breast cancers are very much like normal breast tissues because they don't express these PAMPs and therefore are not recognized by the immune system as danger. Thus, breast cancers and normal breast tissues are not normally capable of being recognized and attacked by the immune system. Cancer cells show unrestricted cell division and unobstructed growth. Thus, treatments such as chemotherapies are designed to interfere with the mitotic apparatus of cancer cells and inhibit their ability to divide and inhibit the growth of the cancer. However, such chemotherapies also inhibit normal rapidly dividing cells 
in the gastrointestinal tract and in the bone marrow that generates immune cells, therefore contributing common side effects like diarrhea and immunosuppression, respectively. To summarize, I think we sort of both said the same thing, except mine was pretty simple, that the cancer cell evades the immune system by making the immune system think that it's a self cell, disguising itself to the macrophages so that they don't eat them, and also so the macrophages can't identify them to be killed by the T-cells. So that brings me to the end of today's program. You can always email me with questions at sistersforprevention.com. That's sisters, the number four, prevention.com. And please keep up with us on our progress on the breast cancer preventive vaccine. We'll soon be beginning trials in Cleveland. And this example of the immune system can maybe help you understand how the vaccine is going to work. The vaccine actually looks for a protein called alpha-lactalbumin, which is an identifier to the macrophages that this cell is not your one of you. This cell needs to be destroyed. Alpha-lactalbumin is a protein that most breast cancers express. And the more they express this protein, the more effective the vaccine will work. Most triple negative breast cancers are strong expressors of the protein alpha-lactalbumin. So I look forward to speaking with you again. I thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and may God bless. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Feedspot.com. Your feedback is important in helping us select topics for future podcasts. To stay updated on the latest news about the vaccine clinical trial, please subscribe to my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's sisters, the number four, prevention.com. Also, please note that the topics discussed on this site are not meant to be used in lieu of medical advice. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be. I am merely sharing what I have learned from personal experience, discussions with fellow survivors, and many hours of research. So for now, I'll leave you with my mantra, Cancer is a word, not a sentence. So may God bless you and keep you till next time. Thank you.